Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. I have been putting together these trips for a couple years with friends. A lot of times it's a lot of dudes. It's a lot of my friends and a lot of their friends. And, uh, you know, a lot of us have kids and it just kind of more times than not, it's like a lot of guys on these trips. And so I didn't mean for that to happen, but it just kind of naturally happened. And so I've been talking to my wife, Emily, about this, who also wants to do her own adventures that we do have different you know, desires when it comes to how we want to do adventures. Like it's not, we don't want to do them completely the same. Or she, she came up with this idea. Let's focus on a women's only adventure since mine are more or less me and my friends. And it just ends up being a lot of guys, a lot of masculine energy in these trips. Uh, so she's going to offer the women's focused experience on those off week uh, months that I'm not doing my trips so that there's just opportunity for the moms in these groups or the ones that don't want to just go with a bunch of dudes. And because because I will say what we have going with our group is, is awesome. It's great and fantastic, but it probably isn't as inviting for everybody. It can be really intimidating, and I totally get that. And so we're being more intentional about which trips are family-focused or just couples-focused or guys focused and Emily is going to be playing these women's and it's got me thinking about just the opportunity for women in adventure sports. And I saw that we had this episode in that we did, uh, gosh, back in 2018. And I wanted to feature it with Audra Stanley. And there's been some stuff in the news recently of some, some major, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but major brands in the outdoors that have just, there's, they've cut off their women's teams for certain sports. And I think that's wild and crazy. It's like happening right now. And it's just been coming up a lot. So when I saw that we had this, I've actually never heard this episode all the way through. So I'm going to be listening to it with you. Um, but I did listen to it to hear you know, what Audra was saying. And I, I, I would like to feature this. So all this to say, this is very timely. Uh, this is something I'm thinking about with the own, my own adventures I plan and it, the adventures I do with my family and my, the adventures my wife does. And no matter who you are out there, I don't think anybody is doing enough adventures. Any any demographic that is. No one's none of us are being out in nature enough in modern life. So whoever you are and whoever communities you connect with, I encourage you bring your people out there and don't be afraid to, you know, get out of your comfort zone and invite people to just go camping, to go fishing, to go on a hike or on a walk or on a bike ride, whatever it is. None of us are getting it enough in my opinion. So Get you and the your people and the people you're connected to outside. Get them together. Get them to enjoy nature. Get out there and have some fun. As we've said on this show for years, it's so important. No matter who you are, I hope this inspires you. This this uh, episode helps you continue bringing others out there with you. Hello and welcome again to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Hey, I have Audra Stanley with us today. Audra is a lady who really believes in inspiring women to be more active in adventure sports, which is something that the Adventure Sports Podcast is all about. So I am really pleased to bring her to you today to talk about trad climbing and about trail running. And she is also the co-founder of an organization called the Badass Women's Festival so Boz for short. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Audra Stanley, welcome to the program. Thank you. Now, Audra, you told me before I hit record here that you consider yourself to be a lover of life. So what does that yeah. mean? To me, that means that each and every day is a new opportunity to be grateful and thankful and just your very best self. Mm. You just said three things that are really simple. And I don't want to gloss over them because I think that if we unpack those a little bit, it could be really meaningful to people. You said grateful, thankful. Yes. And your very best. Your very best. self. yeah. You know what? I don't mean to make a psychology show out of it, but that that's meaningful to me. What does that mean to you? What is grateful? How do you do that? So for me, you know, grateful and thankful are somewhat similar in, in their meaning, but to me, gratefulness, comes from, so I, I try to meditate every day and the grateful component comes from, for me is for the things that are in my life, 
that I just that that truly make me happy that I focus on those. So my relationship, things that are maybe a little less tangible. And then thankfulness for me is like for me more like throughout the day, like little bitty pieces of thanks. Like I'm really thankful that my students got that concept. And I'm really thankful that my students we're kind to each other today, like things that are a little more tangible and I see throughout the day. My gratefulness is like things that I think about after my meditation um, for things that make my life rich and meaningful. I think that if we take the time to notice the little things and then be thankful for them, then it, it at least for me, it creates this attitude adjustment. It makes it easy to be happier that day to appreciate what's going on and to not get down in the dumps about stuff. Is that the reason why you take that attitude? Yeah, I take that attitude. Plus, you know, I work with middle school kids and I don't know how middle school was for you, but it was pretty tough for me. And to have a teacher and to be in this place where I am trying to constantly be thankful and to take my time in the morning to be grateful for the things that I have in my life and the joy that I, I have, um, I think makes a difference in, in not just my life, but in the people who are around you as well. Mm. And then you said being your very best self. Wow. Yeah. That's a big one. It is a big How one. How do you be your very best self? So, you know, not every day is a Babe Ruth home run, you know, some days suck, um, but you can still be your best self in the days that aren't fabulous. Um, I think just a- acknowledging that this is one of those days that I'm really excited to get my head on the pillow and start again tomorrow. Um, having a an attitude of like it is going to be better tomorrow helps you be your best self. You know, full of of kindness and compassion and patience. I think is not only important just in everyday life, but especially when things go wrong on the mountain when things are not going right in your race or whatever, just having that attitude of um, kindness and gentleness with yourself as you, you know, suffer and push through, Mm. I think is incredibly important. And in those moments, you do become your best self. I mean, it, it makes you better in that moment and for that day. Well, that's, that's cool the way that you say that, because, you know, I think about adventure sports and we do it to have fun. But it's real easy for someone to get down on himself or herself if their performance isn't up to their own expectations that day. That happens to me. It happened to me last week in mountain biking. <laughs> so you right? kind of get down on yourself. But what you're talking about is having a more of a gentle attitude with yourself so that you continue to enjoy and love what you're doing instead of beating yourself up over it. Yeah, I think when I really learned to do this... I. It, it's it's interesting because it usually has to do with athletics or some sort of sporting event for me where I have like really keen moments, like what it felt like and the smell and my senses in that moment that I learned a lesson. It was in 2011 and I was running the Boston Marathon and I did something they tell you never to do, which I took oranges and took food that I never trained with. And I was having a really great race. Like Um, It's a downhill race. You can PR really easily. My half marathon was my fastest. And then I started throwing up at mile 15. Oh, no. Well, I took oranges and was giving kids high fives. And I mean, I was really enjoying myself, but I was running a really good time for me. And I think my half was around like 120, 130, somewhere in there, an hour, 20, an hour, 30. I mean, I was running a great time. And, um, when I started throwing up, it was a real, I mean, I wanted to finish fast. I mean, it's Boston, right. And it's the whole, t- I mean, geez, the whole state of Massachusetts, it feels as like out there and it's an incredible, you know, experience. And as I'm throwing up, which I don't do very beautifully, um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody does, but it, you know, it's just a terrible thing. I hate throwing up so much. It was this paradigm shift of I'm no longer interested in PRing. I really want to finish. I mean, like all of my kinesiology, all of my studies comes in. I'm like, I'm losing electrolytes. I can't hold down water. 
I wound up throwing up like about three times and some of it was, you know, clear water. And I'm like, I, I am really going to be lucky to finish this race altogether. And, um, and I did finish and it was really exciting, but the nurse across the finish line was like, are you okay? And I looked at her, I said, you know what? I really don't know. (laughs) She gave me a bag of chips. I said, I threw up a few times. I'm really excited to be finishing this, this race. And she gave me a bag of chips and said, sit down and see if you're better. And I wound up, you know, getting everything reestablished and walking off. And I mean, I even ran the next day. I mean, after the marathon, I felt great, but it was a real paradigm shift on being kind to myself, not beating myself up in those moments. I still had 13, you know, almost 13. I mean, I was only halfway done, a little over halfway done. And it was that moment where I was like, it's not going to be my best time, but I can still be my best self. And I can still like celebrate that I made it here and that I'm finishing because finishing right now became the priority instead of a PR. Right. Well, Audra, it sounds like, I don't know, to me personally, just running a marathon's amazing. You know, you were disappointed because the marathon wasn't going the way that you thought it should, but you learned some lessons about how to, how to care for yourself and keep your good attitude yep. and that sort of thing. But let's rewind a little bit because some people are sitting here saying, you know, I'm going to need some of that self-care to walk around the block today. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Absolutely. So how do, on earth did you get to the point that you were running marathons? I have always enjoyed running. Um, it's some people hate it. I really love it. And I went to run a marathon with my sister back in 2001 and I got an upper respiratory, uh, infection. And my doctor said that if I ran a marathon, I might lose a lung. And that was, that was really disheartening because I'd spent all that time training And, um, and so I ran two or three miles of the marathon at the Houston marathon with my sister, but I did not run the marathon because, well, I do like my lungs (laughs) and, um, I, 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 I value having both of them. I hear that transplants for those things don't go well. So, um, I followed directions, which is, um, also not always my strongest suit for people that tell me I shouldn't do something, but, um, my grandmother died and my grandma was this fierce, amazing woman who was a nurse and was a great mom. And she was my person. Like she was just the person that you go to when you just want someone to love on you. And so when I lost her, I thought I wrote down after her funeral all the different things that I wanted to do that I hadn't done. And a marathon was on that was on that list. And so I decided that that is how I would how it would help my grieving process. Hmm. And so I got online and researched uh it was it was a Hal Higdon beginner marathon. And I just put in the miles. Um, I didn't listen to music. I know that sounds crazy because there are lots of, you know, like 15 mile runs. I didn't really listen to music. I didn't really take my phone with me on those runs. I used that time to reminisce about the good times. And sometimes I'd stop and cry in the middle of it because I missed her so much, but I used those six months as part of my grieving process. And I signed up for a marathon. It was the Austin marathon in Texas. And the day before the marathon, I was like, man, you know, I feel like I'm running really strong. I did not time any of my runs. I had no idea what my mile pace was. And I thought I've always wanted to qualify for Boston, but I have no idea what the qualifying time is. And I haven't, you know, trained to qualify for Boston, but I'm just going to see what it is. And I'm going to run with those pacers. And I read somewhere that if you get, don't get ahead of the pacer, just stay with them. And that's, the time you'll finish. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm once again, not really a rule follower, but I'm going to try it. And I qualified for the Boston marathon with my first marathon in Austin, Texas. And I crossed that finish line. I mean, obviously just really emotional 
And it was such a cathartic experience to do something um, that difficult because mile 20 felt like those last six miles felt like the hardest. I mean, it was painful. I mean, it was painful. That's just what it was. But I stayed with my pacers and I finished at three hours and 40 minutes and three seconds. And I qualified for Boston. So that's how I got into. And I've only ran two marathons. I've ran Boston and Austin. Oh, that's that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. you. I think a lot of people are sitting here going, what? How do you do (laughs) that? But you had been running for some time prior to this, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, three, five miles, nothing really longer than um, a half marathon. So, Well, what is it like to run a marathon then? Since you've done the shorter runs for a long time, when you've did yeah. these two marathons, how is that different? I think anytime you do anything over two hours, there's a different place you have to go mentally. Um, I love to push my body like as far I love to do things that push it even further and further. I mean, I think that's why some people continue to do marathon after marathon after marathon. It doesn't really appeal to me. What I would really like to do next, um, I am is do the rim to rim to rim. And Mm. it turns out being about a 45, a 44, 45 mile run. I don't really want to do it as a race. Um, I, I don't have a whole lot of time to train for that right now. Cause I'm back in school to get, um, my, I would like to go back to get my physical therapy. I go back to school to become a physical therapist. So I'm doing some prereqs. I'm in chemistry too right now. So there's, there's not as much time to run 15 to 20 miles, but I, I like to push my body as I, I mean, it, I just, I find it fascinating to see what the human body is capable of. Right. So you know, I, I think that to a lot of people, 26 miles sounds impossible, but even three miles, you know, I, I train women to run with a variety of different organizations and sometimes just a mile sounds like a lot, but the truth of the matter is, is that if it's something that you want, small steps get you there. And Mm. it is it is a, it is, it is progression and it's giving yourself, it's being kind with yourself and not putting too much pressure on it. If you don't fall in love with the process, you're not going to accomplish any goal. Like chemistry too right now is really hard. And when I start feeling like, is it worth it? I'm making a lot of sacrifices to do this. I think about if I don't fall in love with this process, then I'm, I'm, it's, it's not going to work and it's not going to be as enriching. So with any goal I set, I try to find little things that I can just fall in love with that is part of the process of accomplishing that goal. I love that. I really do. And one of the reasons is because I, I really believe that adventure sports should be fun. They should call to us. And that's part of the motivation then that keeps us healthy, keeps us out there being active and doing it is that we're enjoying it. So if it's not fun, you might want to consider a different sport, you know, or doing that sport a different way. Absolutely. And, you know, throughout, I mean, I'm, I'm a highly competitive, highly motivated. I push really hard and I still struggle with like making the things that I love to do unfun for myself. Like no one's doing that for me, to me. I make it unfun for myself when I put these, you know, because I just, I'm, I push myself and to, to some extent that's wonderful, but I am learning more and more to be like, I'm going to fall in love with just this five, nine, and I don't have to be climbing five twelve every single time I go outside. And I don't have to be running some giant mountain every single time I go to enjoy it. I need to find this trail or this one thing and enjoy the process of, of the training and, and what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like you're about to turn into an ultra runner. If you're not real careful here, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Yeah. You just slow down a little bit and go a little farther. You mentioned the rim to rim to rim. For the yeah. listeners who don't know, this is the Grand Canyon. Tell us about that. A friend of mine was like, yeah, I'd love to hike the rim to rim. And then, of course, you know, you get online, you start doing some research, and then you find that 
trail runners go out and in a day run from one rim of the Grand Canyon all the way down and back up and then do it again. And that winds up being approximately 44 to 45 miles. Wow. And a, and a lot of elevation change. <laughs> a lot of elevation change. A lot of elevation change. So somewhere on the order of, what, two miles up and two miles down, am I right? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> what a run. So you've done two marathons, yeah. and now you're saying, oh, I think I'll just go do this. So how do you train for something like that? Well, I really love the book Training for the New Alpinism. It's written by a medical doctor and these trainers that are, I mean, they are just, they are mainly mountaineers, but they're also climbers. And it is, it is a really heavy uh, read. It's, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it if you don't, um, if you don't really love science, but they do have workouts in it that are less, that is less heavy right, that you can use. So that's a really uh, great, I feel like it's a really great mechanism to help you get in, in shape for things like that. Um, I, I used it to prepare for a race called Run the Rut. It is a race out in Big Sky, Montana that happens in over the uh, Labor Day weekend in September. And I mean, it's just, first of all, it's Big Sky, Montana. It is so stinking beautiful. And um, they <laughs> They do everything from, um, from like a vertical mile, which is where you run straight up, uh, a 5k vertical. And then they had a 25k, which is what I ran. And my friend, Virginia, who's also from Texas, we ran that together and did that together. And then they have a, uh, 50k and I think a hundred miler. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's quite the adventure and the athletes there are just, you know, they're so burly and awesome and badasses is what they are. Um, but in Run the Rut, I mean, I would get a stair, st- a stair and just like climb it over and over and over again. I mean, I'm at basically sea level. So, you know, it was a lot of weight and running and surprisingly running in the heat, which Texas has plenty of. Also, uh, you know, it's it's a challenge. So I just got out there and continued to plug in the miles and finished the race. It did take me seven hours and 40 minutes, but it was one of the coolest runs I have ever done. I mean, I got rained on and snowed on and, you know, sleeted on all in the same race. The big push that I believe was like 2,500 feet of vertical gain was called uh, the bone crusher. Oh. Talk about... <laughs> Talk about heading up on up that thing. It was it was insane, but it was it was it was supported, but there wasn't a ton of support. So like I just had I mean it was just an incredible race with ups and downs all over Montana. I mean, it was just it was incredible. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that helped make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Well, you combine not just this running, but you mentioned climbing a little bit. You combine climbing as an adventure sport. And actually, these go really well together because you always have an approach to a climb and then you have a climb or you might do some mountaineering as part of your run, you know, so I think they go really well together. But let's talk a little bit about your climbing. So I started climbing when I was 28 and I, I turned 40 last July and I fell in love really early with the freedom of trad climbing, like not having to wait to put in a piece of protection till the next bolt or feeling really comfortable and maybe just, you know, just enjoying the moment of climbing instead of like feeling like I have to clip when it tells me to. Once again, probably going back to those like following other people's rules and design, (laughs) just kind of wanting to do my own thing. Um, And just following the natural crack of the way the the rock, um, the way the rock is formed. I I just really fell in love with that. I learned to uh, trad climb in Joshua Tree and my buddy Chris was like, so this is how a cam works. 
okay, well, this is way below your level. Give it a shot, and then I'll just uh, evaluate your pieces. And so that's what I did. Wow. And to me, to me, I thought that was normal. I learned later that maybe that was uh, a little more daring than most would uh, would prefer. But it worked, and it was great. And that's where I kind of picked up um, – trad climbing. I mean, Joshua Tree, what an incredible place to just be. I mean, even if you don't climb, it's just magnificent out there. Mm. And so, um, so that's where I started trad climbing. And then we in Oklahoma, which is about four, there's a area called the Wichita Wildlife Refuge. And it's these beautiful granite monoliths that uh, were set aside all these just beautiful rocks of granite out in Oklahoma. It's very close to uh, an army base, but it was set aside, and I don't remember which president set it aside, but it is a wilderness refuge, and they brought in elk, and they recreated uh, the the population of the buffalo. It's not the true American buffalo, because those were uh, killed off, but they brought in these buffalo, and they are free free roaming all over this refuge. And it's just kind of a magical place. I mean, even if you just want to hike and walk around, it is, but it is legitimately the wilderness. I have saved many people who just thought they were out for a hike that didn't have enough water or sunscreen with kids, didn't have food. Um, it's, it's a, it's a wilderness. It's a wilderness. I was like, I'm really glad I have my backpack on right now because I I put sunscreen on about six kids and gave them water. I mean, I don't think they were going to make they weren't going to make it uh, without some major injuries if if we hadn't ran into each other. But it's it's just a beautiful place and it's a great place to try climb. That's really close to Dallas. It's about four hours away. And it's fun. I love it that you brought up climbing and these granite rocks in Oklahoma. People are like, "What? Oklahoma? I know. It's crazy." Well, what I love about that is that it doesn't matter what your sport is. You can find a place to do it near home usually. And and it's fun to seek out the less known stuff. I mean, people talk about Yosemite, which you have a story about Yosemite and climbing. We we ought to go there. But people talk about Yosemite when they talk about climbing. They don't talk about Oklahoma. Right, right. but, But that's the fun of it. It is the fun of it. And what's interesting is that a lot of this climbing that was happening during Yosemite shortly thereafter was happening in Oklahoma as well. Like it's, it's, there's a place called granite. Uh, yeah, uh, not granite. Um, Oh, I'm forgetting the name right now, but anyway, another place that is just, I mean, it's the grades are very, very close to Yosemite. And I know this because after climbing in Yosemite, I was like, yep, this is, uh, this is very similar. (laughs) Wow. So you had a story about Yosemite Go ahead and tell us that yeah. story. It was a, one of these times that things didn't quite go right. Yeah. it. Um, so one of the cool climbs in Yosemite is also is on Half Dome. And that year, part of the face had sheared off and fell um, off of Half Dome. And the climb that we did was called Snake Dike Dihedral. It goes at about 5'7". You climb six pitches of pretty much it was pretty run out is what it was I mean it was really run out and because it's kind of like you're it's the climbing isn't that difficult it was like you were climbing on the back I described it of the back of like what you would imagine a dinosaur back would be Mm, but the interesting thing about it is that it was the 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 holds actually arched downward so you couldn't it was very difficult to protect and, um, and so you would have these, these run out pieces of, I mean, like 85 feet of, uh, of run out and you just kind of had to, and that's not my favorite, honestly. No. Um, it's not my favorite kind of climbing. And so what, how this kind of came to be is one, my, my husband, um, he was not my husband at the time. He um, had a friend who was like, yeah, I started climbing with this new guy, and he wants to go do this this easy climb, <laughs> easy, this easy climb of Half Dome. And my husband gets this phone call from his best friend from high school and grade school's mom that says, I don't know what you're doing, 
but I need you to get to California to make sure that my son comes back alive. Uh And so my husband and I, yeah, my husband and I actually had plans to go climb an elephant's perch, which is in Idaho, uh, which is still on my bucket list. But we changed our plans and went to Yosemite, which is definitely not that big of a concession because it is a majestic place. Um, And so we hike up there and well, we, we meet. And and so I have, I'm, my partner is going to be this person whom I've never met. And then my husband's going to climb with his best friend because that's just cool. And so we get there and we're going to spend the night up on the mountain because the approach is about four to five hours long. And so we didn't really want a four to five hour long approach and then another big climb. So we hiked up to spend the night, but we're hiking up some elevation and they are really prepared for that. Like they brought hammocks to sleep in, which down at the camp is fine because it's not that cold, but up in the mountains, you know, you need a tent. It's cold. So we're helping them prepare for, like I had to convince my partner that he really needed a, a mat to go underneath his sleeping pad. I mean, he needed a sleeping pad to go underneath his sleeping bag. And he wasn't sure that it was really worth the extra $40. And I was like, do you want to sleep? Because that's the difference. Like, so needless to say, it started out, I was kind of getting this uneasy feeling that maybe we changed our plans for something that maybe people weren't really prepared for like what was going to happen because this is Yosemite, right? Like this is half dome. Like this is real climbing. Yeah, the real and deal. And so this is the real deal. Um this is six pitches. The end of Snake Dyke Dihedral is uh basically you're not on rope. It's about fifteen hundred uh feet of of slab walking, but it is a uh I mean it's still I mean you're up there. You fall, that's it. I mean that's just what you're looking at. So we get up to, we camp, we get up to the climb and the guy I'm climbing with is, you know, I'm ready. I've researched, we're going to do this leapfrog I'll lead and you'll lead. I want to do all the hard climbing. And I'm like, great. Awesome. Fine with me. Like, I don't really care. I'm just, I'm here to enjoy the experience. And he does the first lead and he looks at me and I'm going to do the second lead. He's like, this looks really run out. Are you okay with this? I'm like, dude, what do you think this route is? Like, it's all run out. He's like, well, I'm just starting to feel a little nervous. Uh-oh. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, crap. And, you know, I don't really know this guy either. And he's, I mean, but everything he's been talking about is like how awesome it's going to be and how he's going to lead all the hard stuff. I'm like, Okay. So I lead the second pitch and I, I don't put a piece of gear in because the piece of gear goes at your feet and I didn't really think about it, but I just climbed it. And by the time he got up to me on the second pitch, he was like, I can't believe you just did that. Like that was really scary. And I'm sitting there thinking once again, uh Oh, <laughs> what's happening right now? Like, are you going to be okay? And I asked him, I was like, Hey man, are you going to be okay? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be fine. I just, And he didn't really want to lead the next pitch, but it was his pitch to lead. So he led it. He did a great job. He's a really strong climber. Um, I get up to him. I was like, great job. And he's starting to have a hard time loading the Grigory, which is the belay device. And I'm like, whoa, dude, are you okay? So he's He's starting to shut down on you. He's starting to shut down. And we're at the end of pitch two. Well, the end of pitch three. We just finished pitch three. And he was like, it's just really high up here. And I'm like, <laughs> like, what did you think we were doing today? Like, <laughs> we're going up high. So I start, I'm like, well, it's, I, it's my pitch to lead. And I start leading my pitch and I'm halfway through the pitch and there's, there's one bolt there. And he was like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you have enough rope. And he's freaking out on me and I can barely hear him. And fortunately, there's an anchor set there, but we broke the pitch in half because, I mean, he's freaking out. And I'm like, I don't even know if this guy has me on belay correctly at this point with the way he's, you know, it, the communication is not great when you're in multi-pitch areas. 
So I pull him up and I was like, dude, he was like, I can't lead. I can't lead anymore. I can't do this. <laughs> and I'm like, I look at him. I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do for you to be safe and for you to chill out? Like, because we're in it and up is down. That I mean, that is where we're at. We're like, we're too far up. Like, this is where we're at. And he was like, well, I just can't lead. And so I'm like, okay, well, here we go. So I lead the rest of the pitches and we get to a place where I was supposed to go right, but I researched the pitches that I was going to lead. So mm. I didn't really research his pitches. So I had a guide, but you know, you're up there and I'm kind of like not trusting my partner really. So a part of me kind of feels like I'm already running things out 85 feet to begin with. It's not a pretty fall if I fall anyway. And my partner isn't like instilling a lot of confidence. And so I'm like, man, I don't know which way to go. Do I go right or do I go left? And in snake dike dihedral, you really only take about five pieces of gear because there's not a lot of gear to place. Wow. And so, um, and so it's just one of those things that you're kind of like, well, I see this one area with this beautiful crack. And all I want to do is place a piece of gear because it would just make me feel relaxed. But I'm like, man, that that pitch looks harder than five seven. And so I'm like, well, whatever. I think that's the way I go. Well, I was supposed to go to the right because it was another easy five five pitch. I climbed about a five seven, five eight crack to the left and got on this great, beautiful ledge. I mean, the air smelled amazing. I've got these amazing pictures of just like, you can see the whole valley. I mean, it's just amazing. But my partner at the time was like, you don't have three pieces to belay me up with. But I'm like, yeah, dude, but I'm on a ledge. Like, I mean, like I'm fully like sitting, like I could have hit belayed safely. So Anyway, needless to say, we finally got him up. It he had to be talked up. My the next party had to come up and give me an, a, another piece of gear before he would climb. He finally went up, and we had a great time. And we had, I mean, it was we he he took off and finally did the last part. But uh, it was it was definitely some. I grew some serious mental fortitude. Um, on on Snake Dyke Dihedral that day, and then we ran into people that were doing tours on Half Dome, like with the ch like where you walk up the backside with just like a rail or whatever, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, we can't believe you climbed that! That's so incredible!" And we're like, "Yeah, thank you so much!" And they're like, "We have all this food, so they fed us yogurt and like all this. <laughs> we like, had this little we had this like party picnic at the top of Half Dome. It was really really fabulous." That's one of the things I love about the outdoors is that, man, people will champion for you. Like they don't know you, but they will champion for you because it's just mother nature doesn't care. Like they don't care what color you are. They don't care what gender you are. It doesn't care about any of it. Like she is, she is, she is the equal opportunity, right? Like if you don't come prepared, she will rock your world. Sometimes you come prepared, she will still rock your world, you know, like mother nature. And so people will champion for you because they're like, man, we are here. And we're, we're, we're just, we're crazy that we walked up the backside with, with a rail and we can't believe you just climbed it. So it was really cool to, to celebrate with people on the top, even if you didn't know them. You know, I like what you say there. Mother nature does not discriminate. And sometimes, no. you know, nature equally supports us and sometimes equally tries to kill us, but there's no discrimination there. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. You started the Badass Women's Festival because you were concerned about women. So we're back, we're back to yeah. the gender here. You're concerned about yeah. women getting out there and, and showing people how tough they can be. Unpack that yeah. for us a little bit. Why were you concerned about women in adventure sports? 
most of my climbing partners when I first started out, most of the people in the gym when I first started out, and definitely the people who were doing like trad climbing in my area were all men. It is great to have other people that look like you, gender, whatever, doing the same thing that you're doing. And so I became concerned about women doing amazing things and not being afraid of having muscles and being strong and being strong minded and and for that component to be just as feminine as anything else we were grown up to believe was feminine. Mm. Uh, and so for that to be sexy and that doesn't discount what makes other women feel sexy, but that it's that that it's not masculine. You know, that I did not lose my gender because I wanted to go climb mountains and climb hard things and have a really cool muscular back. You know, like, that's not masculine. That is also feminine. Right. Yeah, it's really cool for, it doesn't matter who you are, it's really cool to be fit, to be in shape and to be strong. And being in fit is beautiful. You know, that's lovely. And, And I think it's so cool when people are fit, they look healthy and they have that glow about them. And, and what a, what a dose of confidence that, that brings, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So you started the Badass Women's Festival. Uh, what was yeah. the, the inspiration for that? And what is that about? So my husband and I went to a, uh, it's called the Five Point Festival in Carbondale, Colorado. And we were listening to this amazing badass woman named uh, Aisha Weinhold, who is the founder of No Man's Land Film Festival, speak in a podcast-type situation. And I leaned over to Mario and said, wouldn't it be cool to do this in Dallas? We have so many amazing women in sports in Dallas. Like, wouldn't this be amazing? And he was like, yeah, it sure would. And he marched right up there and started talking to her. And we wound up bringing uh, No Man's Land a film festival down to Dallas. Um, we also had Hazel Finley do clinics. And, um, and we also had a woman named Tiffany, Tiffany Hensley, who does outdoor adventure sports, primarily rock climbing with um, the youth in Monterey, Mexico, mm. to help keep them off the streets and out of drugs and, and in schools, but also in something that's productive and empowering. And so... We had, we just had these amazing women doing amazing things and amazing videos of, of just empowerment for, for women. And, um, that's kind of how it got started with, was with this idea. And we put it together pretty quickly in August and we had a lot of support from our local gym, um, summit climbing in Dallas. And they let us use a space, and I mean, it was just incredible. And the Texas Mountaineers helped us. I mean, it wouldn't have been possible. I mean, it t- it took it took a, a huge amount of people to make it happen, and just amazing sponsors. And it came together, and it was it was just it was inspiring. It was encouraging, and it was just amazing. And so we were like, we need to do this more. So we're doing it in April and we're doing it again in Florida in um in Fort Lauderdale with a gym with a rock climbing gym down there and it's it's just been really cool to see um businesses and people like rally and champion for for this concept and for this idea knowing that it is like empowered women breed a more beautiful society period so mm, I love it how can people get more information? Maybe they want to attend one of your festivals. Yeah, so we our website is up and running for the for the two that are coming up in Dallas and Fort Lauderdale at bossfestival b a w s festival dot com, and and if anybody has like something they want to you know this inspires them, they can send me an email at audra at bossfestival dot com as well. And yeah, we would love for people to from all over to buy tickets and come and and be inspired and encouraged. This uh, the athlete that I know for sure that's confirmed for Dallas is her name is Heather Larson. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she is a slackliner extraordinaire, mm. and um, so she's going to be teaching some uh, 
some slacklining clinics. And at least that's that's what we got on the the docket right now. We're we're still trying to find a couple of other a couple other uh, athletes for clinics because we do clinics on Saturday morning for women and men that want to hone their skill in something something fun and outdoorsy. You know what I like about this is well Dallas has a lot of adventure sports going for it. Um, trad climbing outside is probably not the first one that pops into my mind. And you you said you grew up near Lubbock, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that definitely doesn't have trad climbing in mind for me. So I think no. it's fun that you're bringing um, this inspiration to an area where people may have not thought of it that much before. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. So now that we have so many climbing gyms, and that is becoming a thing no matter where you live... Are you finding yeah. that there are a lot more people that are getting involved in, in trad climbing in the Dallas area? Um, actually, not really. Um, most people are like, man, that's so scary. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but just just come with me. So I've, I've convinced a bunch of people that I went to Waco Tanks. Waco Tanks is a premier bouldering location in Texas that is not close. Um, it's about nine hours away, 10 hours away in El Paso from Dallas. Um, but I met, I, I went to the Waco rodeo uh, a couple weekends ago and, uh, I, I think I've encouraged some, some men and women to try some trad climbing with me. Um, even though the climbing gyms are exploding, the, I don't see as much people, um, engaged in rope climbing and there's a lot more bouldering available. The wonderful thing about a rock climbing gym is that you work out, you have this incredible time, you get crazy strong in ways that you never thought you would and you become really fit but you are enjoying yourself so much you don't even realize you know it's not like drudgery going in there and doing deadlifts in the in the if you know in the weight room um and so it's just this really great experience i'm really excited that climbing is becoming more and more one of those things that people look to for for their fitness because it has a community component and I think when you have a community component, you increase your the benefits of society and compassion and understanding towards others. Because the more diversity you get in that compo- in in that in that arena, just the better off we are as people in general. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to say to the ladies out there, good female climbers are among the best climbers ever. It it it's funny because it's the flexibility. It's the grace and the dexterity, and it's also the strength-to-weight ratio. But, man, some lady climbers can really, really climb well. It, it's almost like women have a little bit of an advantage in the sport. Yeah, I. the wonderful thing about uh, women in climbing is that you really do accelerate in your skill a lot faster than people with just straight-out brute strength. Because there's so much finesse, there is um, concentration, and this component of just mental fortitude that is also involved in climbing. So it's more than just like, I can do a pull-up, right? It is, it's a combination of, of thinking, problem-solving when you're on the wall with technique. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my daughter is uh, an avid, indoor especially, climber. She absolutely loves it. She cleans 5.11s, which I can't even dream of getting up. And when I climb right. with her, I'm just like, wow, I, I wish I was as skilled at it as my daughter. But she understands that. It's it's the dexterity of it and the finesse of it, like you're saying, that makes the great climber. And I just haven't learned that yet. So anyway, I, you ladies out there, if you're looking for a sport, you might want to think about that one. It may not be what was first on your mind, but wow, what a great sport. I totally agree. And super fun. And the great thing is, is that it isn't just a boys club anymore. There are lots of, a lot of women to, to bond with and, and groups to join that just, uh, make you feel comfortable. And, you know, it's, it's for any, any size, any level of fitness. I mean, you can become fit through climbing. You don't have to, I mean, you know, a lot of people always say, Oh, I don't have any upper body strength. Well, that's not really where it's at. I mean, it helps, but you gain that as you learn the technique and the footwork and 
and have fun and, and just watching other people too. So. Yeah. And it's fantastic now that we have climbing gyms all across the United States. So find your local climbing gym and go check it out. There will be people there who would love to introduce you to the sport. That's part of the fun of it. The community around climbing is amazing. And, uh, you know, I had Chris Werner on that was talking about how climbing used to be the man's sport. And, uh, you know, that if you went to a climbing gym back in the day, it might be a place where you wouldn't want your daughter to hang out. <laughs> but he says right? it's totally yeah. changed now. It's not like that at all. The sport has turned into uh, a uh, gender agnostic sport. And, and there are men and women and a beautiful community of people who love being fit and love the outdoors, who are there ready to encourage you. That's been my experience anyway. I, I totally agree. I totally agree with, with thanks to our, our very own Lynn Hill, who, who put in the, right. Who put in the, the, the work to, to bring more women to the sport. I just, I really admire her. And I mean, cause she, she definitely was in it when it was a boys club for sure. Oh Yeah. Tell us again when the festival dates are so that people can look at their calendar and see if they can make it work. Yeah, so the festival dates for Dallas are April the 12th and the 13th. And that is going to be at, uh, well, the 13th and the 14th. And um, that is going to be at, at Grapevine, which is in the DFW area. And then the Fort Lauderdale is May the, I have to look at the Friday, the May the 4th and the 5th, which is super exciting because it's in Florida and it's also Cinco de Mayo. So it is going to be a really fun party that weekend in Fort Lauderdale. Oh yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Right on. Well, and that'll be fun because people can meet you and they can taste of what women in adventure sports is all about. So I love what you're doing there, promoting women to get out there and be a part of this. And there's plenty of room in adventure sports for more ladies. We have probably at least half of our shows are adventurous women who are on the adventure sports podcast. And we love that. And it just goes to prove that it's a, it's a big opportunity, big world out there, no matter what your gender is. Absolutely. Well, Audrey, do you have one more story for us that you could share to kind of close this out? Maybe something a little bit inspiring. Sure. One of my favorite um, adventures that I've taken was one spring break. I'd gone through a breakup and I was very sad and I wasn't really sure where I wanted to go. And I went on a camping trip by myself. and. It was one of my most favorite trips I've ever taken. I actually went to the uh, Wilderness Wildlife Preserve out in Oklahoma, and I camped by myself. I slept as long as I wanted. or I So just getting up when you want to, go for a hike when you want to, and I met really great people, and it was just a very... It, it was really when I was also, I mean, there's just been so many experiences where people, people, strangers are being a champion for you to succeed, which was amazing. I did a lot of trail runs out there and it was just, it was really, uh, it was just, it was, it was healing. I mean, that's one of the things I love about nature is it just, it, it reaches into a part of your soul that just heals you in a way that I have not been able to find anywhere else. And it inspires you and the colors you never see in a Crayola box. It's just, it's beautiful. The air is clean and the stars are bright at night. And there's just nothing more empowering than building your own campfire and doing your own thing and feeling like you can accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish in, in, in a given amount of time. And that was, I mean, that is what the outdoors is for me. Um, a lot of my trail runs are by myself, but I also meet people on those places and I'll never forget running on top of the continental divide in Colorado and seeing bears playing in the distance. And people are in the city where I live in Dallas are like, aren't you afraid of dying? I was like, man, 
if a bear eats me, I mean, at least I know it's not, you know, trying to, you know, it's not like being assaulted in the city. It's just doing its bear. <laughs> it's just doing its bear thing. You know, it's just being a bear. And um, they kind of look at me like I'm crazy. And maybe I am. But like, there's just so much harmony when it's quiet and and things in nature are doing what they were designed to do. And mm. I think that I think that when we are outside, it is kind of tying it back to the beginning. It is it is doing what we were created to do and finding our purpose and being that component of our best self where we are one and in harmony with our environment and with the outdoors. Yeah, I love that. You know, you brought up the the fear factor a little bit and it, it's not a, a male female thing it's a people thing people are nervous about trying things they've not done before but i think our society right. somehow thinks that women ought to be more afraid and forgive me for even saying that but i think some people feel that way so what advice do you have for people who are like i don't know i'd like to try some of this stuff but it sounds kind of spooky i'm not sure where to start and and how to feel safe doing it i mean i definitely felt that fear going and camping by myself. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm this single woman out there. Like, what if somebody tries to do something when I'm at the campsite or there's just, it's not that the fear isn't there. It's that the reward is so much better. And for me in that moment, I was like, no, I am capable. I know how to do these things. And if the fear for someone going out there and doing something is the lack of knowledge, then find somebody who will teach you. Get that lack of, I mean, get rid of that component. It doesn't make all of the fear go away. Don't get me wrong. I'm running up on the Continental Ridge and I see these bears and I think, oh shit. <laughs> like, I promise I'm not going to mess with you, right? Like, it's not that it's not scary. It's that you, you do a cost-risk analysis, basically, and you decide if it's worth it to you. And for me, it absolutely is. And when I feel like it isn't, I try to go get information or get with someone else who doesn't seem to have that fear or has worked that out. And I go learn from them so that I can continue to push myself to new limits. Awesome. And so my best advice is go find somebody who's doing something that you want to do. And if you're afraid to do it, Go get with them and have them teach you and you will no longer, because I don't know any person that's not willing to teach people to do great things. Yeah. And that's just one more reason to go attend the Badass Women's Festivals <laughs> so that Absolutely. you can meet those people, right? You will definitely meet a ton of women who are out there doing amazing things. Oh, that's so cool. Well, thank you for coming on the Adventure Sports Podcast and sharing all of this with us today. It's it's neat to know about another opportunity for people to find new ways to get out there and have some fun. So thanks for your time. Yes, and thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I love talking about what I'm passionate about. Oh, that's great. And your passion comes through. So we appreciate that. Very, very cool. So all the listeners out there, hey, you heard it. It doesn't matter if you're a woman. It doesn't matter if you're a man. You can get out there and do it and be as bad as you want to be. So look up Audra and her Badass Women's Festival. And until the next show, get out there. Have some fun. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes. Share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast link is in the show notes and also if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure so if you know someone please reach out email us at info at adventure sports podcast.com and until then get out there and have some fun
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.